10th chapter, we'll look at the 10th verse. St. John chapter 10, verse 10. Father, now I thank you for giving me utterance today. I thank you for all those that have sprung forward today. Help them to stay awake. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. In John chapter 10, verse 10, it says that the thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. But I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. There is a vast difference between the thief, which is the devil, and him, who is Jesus. Jesus did not just come to save us from hell. Thank God we're not heading there. But Jesus came to give us life. Life as God has it. The Greeks call that word zoe. It's the God quality and the God quantity kind of life. The amplified version of that verse says this, that the thief comes not only in order to steal and to kill and to destroy, but I have come that they might have and enjoy life and have it in abundance to the full until it overflows. That's the kind of life that Jesus bought and paid for, for you and for me. That word abundant and abundance according to Strong's means this, superabundant in quantity and superior in quality. And by implication, it means excessive. This abundant life means the exceedingly over kind of life, the above life, the super abundant life, the more than more than enough kind of life. Jesus is into giving you and I abundance in all areas of life. For example, it is the plan of God for you and I to have abundance of peace. He does not want us stressed out. He does not want us to be full of worry and fretting about what we see or about what circumstance we may be in right now. The Bible says in Jeremiah, it says here that he gives us abundance of peace through the truth of God's word. I know the truth and the truth has set me free. And part of the truth that has set me free and keeps me free is this glorious fact that Jesus is my peace. And when I give my all to Him, and when I cast all my cares on Him, I am then in a position to have a peace that passes all understanding. You see, the world knows nothing about the peace of God. They know nothing about peace with God. But Jesus came to give you a peace that can be multiplied the more that you get to know Him. In Peter, he says this, that God's grace and God's peace could be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God. That means when we have an intimacy with God, when we draw near to Him, and then He draws near to us, I'm telling you what, the peace of God is going to prevail over everything that you may be facing. Amen. Say with me, I receive the peace of God. I receive the grace of God in my life. 
So this abounding grace is available to you today. From the book of Romans in chapter 5 and verse 17, he says this, For if by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more they which receive abundance of grace, abundance of grace, and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by Jesus Christ. I want to speak to you just for a while this morning on this abundant grace or grace that abounds. This abounding grace, this abundance of grace is yours to access with your faith. It is yours to receive. I like what John says that Jesus was full of grace and he was full of truth. And then in John 1.16, if you'll notice with me in the Amplified Version, it says this, and let us read together. Ready? Read. For out of His fullness, abundance, we have all received, all had a share, and were supplied with one grace after another, and spiritual blessing upon spiritual blessing, and even favor upon favor... I like that, don't you? What this is saying, that there are layers of His grace available to you. Layer upon layer, blessing upon blessing, and favor upon favor. So how would then would that affect your life if you had layers and layers of His grace working on your behalf? You see, we need to understand that His grace is our help. His grace is our help. You and I have an invitation to come to the throne of grace boldly. And when we come to the throne of grace boldly, the scripture says that we can obtain mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. Thank God for the grace that helps us to live. Thank God for the grace that helps us to go through our dark times and our dark hours. You see, with His grace, with His help, that means this, that things that we've not been able to do, we are now able to do. Things that we have been struggling with become easier to deal with. Amen. With enough grace in your life, you can overcome any temptation that you've fallen before in days past and in years past. That's good news. His grace is your help. Paul said that the grace of God is not to be frustrated. We are not to frustrate grace with works. We are simply to access this grace that He has made so readily available to us through our confidence and through our trust and say, thank God, the grace of God is mine today. His help is helping me today. I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. The joy of the Lord is my strength. His grace is moving in me. His grace is upon me, and great grace is seeing me through. Hallelujah. Oh, say it when they shout at me, His grace is upon me today. See, the grace of God contains everything that God has both promised and provided for you in Christ Jesus. There is grace for our race. Every one of us have a race. Every one of us have a course. Every one of us are to be running. 
Every one of us are to be pursuing the things and the goals that God has given us. Aren't you glad that He didn't tell you to go out and do it in your own strength or to go out and do it in your own might? No, thank God, His grace is available for every day of your life. Say it with me, I have grace for my race. There's grace for moms. We found that out. Having two sons of thunder, John and James. There's grace for moms. There's grace. There's grace for dads. There's grace for you on the job. There's certainly grace for you on the freeway. There's grace for you in BART. Amen. There is grace for you even at Macy's, ladies. Oh, I know the ladies got happy there. Amen. There is grace for your race. There's grace available to you when someone goes on to be with the Lord. Is there not? There is grace that is available to us 24 hours a day and seven days a week. You see, God's grace for our race includes strength to run. Strength to run. This abounding grace that we're talking about will strengthen you. Look with me at Ephesians, the sixth chapter, and notice with me in the tenth verse, and I'm going to be looking at the amplified version. Ephesians 6.10 says this, In conclusion... In conclusion, be strong. Everyone say, be strong. strong. When God tells you to be strong, He makes the strength available to you to be strong in. In other words, when God says, be strong, that enables you and I to be strong. Amen? Amen? So He says, be strong... In the Lord. Be empowered through what? Through your union with Him. If there is no union with Him, there's no strength coming from Him. Now what does that mean, union with Him? Union with Him simply means living for Him. Union with Him simply means fellowshipping with Him. Union with Him means being in His Word. Union with Him means drawing near to Him. And when you live in union with Him, you can expect all that is in Him to help you and to strengthen you in your life. Amen? So it says here, be empowered through your union with Him. And then it goes on to say, draw your strength from Him. Draw your strength from Him. And then he goes on to say, that strength which His boundless might provides. Being strong in the Lord means that you are strong in everything that is in Christ Jesus which is now in you because you are in Christ Jesus. 
I'm going to say that again. Being strong in Him means being strong in everything that is in Him. And when you got born again, He came into you, and you are now in Christ Jesus. Now you are strong in the Lord and in the power of His might, because He has no weakness in Him. He that is joined unto the Lord has become one spirit. You are one with Him, and He is one with you. And He brings His strength, He brings His might, He brings His power into your life. So say it with me real strong. I am strong in the Lord. And in the power of His might. Now in 2 Timothy, this, the, the second chapter, in verse 1. 2 Timothy, the second chapter, and verse 1. Everyone say, I'm strong in the Lord. He says, Thou therefore, my son... Be strong. Be strong in what? Well, be strong in the Lord. But he was full of what? Grace and truth. So when you're in him, you are strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Woo, hallelujah. Don't separate his strength from his grace because they go hand in glove. When you are in Him, you're strong in Him. And when you are in Him, His grace is yours. So he says, Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. The Amplified says it this way. says, So you, my son, be strong. Constantly strengthened and empowered... In the grace that is to be found only where? That that statement just, just flashed at me yesterday. This grace can be only found in Him. There is no victory apart from Him. There is no real, true spiritual strength apart from Him. This grace cannot be found in a bottle. This grace cannot be found in a relationship. Some people have this thought, this idea, well, she's my rock or he's my rock. Without her, I am nothing. You're wrong. When you're in Christ, you have everything. Amen. Thank God for godly partners. Thank God for godly marriages. But our rock is not to be in any other than in Him. The Lord is our rock. The Lord is our strength. The Lord is the giver of all grace. Grace cannot be found anywhere in this world other than in Christ Jesus. Aren't you glad you're in Christ? Aren't you glad you're born of God? So His grace is in you and it is an enablement for you to run your race. God has empowered you. God has empowered me and has given us authority through His grace to stand strong and to be victorious in life. He does not want us faltering Because of what's going on in the earth today. 
He does not want his church hiding in a cave with knees knocking, waiting for the trumpet to sound. He wants his church strong. The Bible says this, They that do know their God shall be strong. And they are the ones that will do exploits in his name. Be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. It's an empowerment for us to stand victorious in Christ. This abounding grace, it is actually the impartation of God's strength in our life. And it will keep you and I from being defeated. The book of Romans says this, by whom we also have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand. Read that with me. By whom also we have access by faith Wherein we what? You may be sitting today, but thank God in Christ Jesus, you're standing. I said you're standing in the grace of God. Now, I, I want to break this verse down if, if, if you will indulge me for just a moment. Notice with me that we stand in this grace, but we're not just standing we're also to be doing something while we're standing. What is that? We are to be rejoicing. Amen? You see, when you are standing in the grace of God, it's a good thing to be rejoicing because you know that His grace is going to bring you through. Amen? Now notice this. By whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand... And we rejoice. Okay, we rejoice in the Lord always. But what do we rejoice about? The scripture says, we rejoice in hope. Now, what does that mean? What does it mean to rejoice in hope? Well, you have to know what the word hope means. The word hope there means an expectation. Hope means a confident and a favorable expectation. So while you're standing in the grace of God, you're rejoicing because you have an expectation of something. What is it that you and I are to have an expectation of? Well, the rest of the verse says it like this. We rejoice in hope, in expectation of the very glory of God. Well, what does that mean? The glory of God. The glory of God means the manifest presence of God coming down in your situation and coming upon you and resting upon you and enabling you to go through anything and everything the enemy throws your way. Because when the glory shows up, when the power shows up, the enemies of God are always scattered. Woo! Glory to God. So I'm rejoicing. I'm standing on God's word and I'm rejoicing because I'm expecting the glory of God to come upon my body and remove all sickness and all disease out of my life.
I'm standing in the grace of God because I'm rejoicing in hope that the goodness of God and the glory of God will supply all my need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Amen. Are you standing in the grace of God? Then why are you not rejoicing this morning? I ask you today, what are you excited about? What are you expecting? Are you standing in the grace of God? Then you better notify your face. And you better add some action to when you're standing. And while you're standing, rejoice in expectation of the goodness of God, the glory of God, and the power of God coming on the scene for your life. Amen? I just thought you might want to know that. Hallelujah. 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 Glory to God. You know, I'm standing for this nation. We had a great prayer meeting today and we started out by praying for our nation and praying for our country. We are standing and believing and prophesying and declaring and standing on God's word for an awakening in America. We are. Now, if you were moved by what you saw, you wouldn't be rejoicing. But rejoicing replaces what you see with these eyes here. And rejoicing replaces what you know down here. So we are standing for an awakening in America. We are rejoicing in an expectation that God's glory is going to sweep our nation before the trumpet sounds and men and women are going to be coming out of darkness and running to the light. Amen? Hallelujah. The message that the world needs today is not a message of what we're against. The message the world needs to hear today is a message of what we are for. And I tell you what we are for. We are for what God is for. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. We've been here 35 years. We're in our 36th year. There are people that think we're crazy for pastoring in California. Well, ha-ha on them and ha-ha on the devil. Where sin abounds the greatest, the grace of God. I said where sin abounds the greatest, the grace of God abounds even greater. I just thought you might want to know that. But think people think we're crazy, but we ain't crazy. Amen. We're peculiar, all right. But peculiar doesn't mean nuts. Peculiar means that we are a whoo, we're a purchased possession. That we should show forth the praises of him who's called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. Can I get some praisers praising today? Ha ha ha. Rejoicing, 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 rejoicing is a demonstration of what you believe on the inside of you. Hallelujah. Stand in the grace of God. And while you're standing, rejoice for your health and healing. Rejoice for your loved ones coming in. Rejoice for revival in your church. Hallelujah. Look at your neighbor and say, what are you expecting? 
If you're expecting to be out by 11.30, you're going to be sad. <laughs> ha ha, devil. Glory to God. Some of you need to learn to say ha ha a little bit more. Some of you need to learn to laugh a little bit more. Enjoy life just a little bit more. Amen. You don't need Hollywood to make you glad. You got the Holy Ghost to make you glad. You watch enough of that Hollywood stuff, it'll make you sad. And it will only give you a false feeling of being glad. But the Holy Ghost is righteousness, peace, and joy. And in Him, we move. And in Him, we live. And in Him, we have our being. The Apostle Paul knew a lot about the grace of God. And understand this, when I'm preaching on the grace of God, I'm not talking about some weird, greasy grace. I'm I'm not talking about a, a grace that some people have perverted the knowledge of God concerning that. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about authentic favor, authentic blessing, authentic goodness. I'm talking about authentic power for you and me right here, right now, today. Paul knew about it. The Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians 12 in verse 7 said this. And I want you to keep that verse up. Because we're going to be going to another neighborhood, but we're coming back. In 2 Corinthians 12, 7, he says, And lest I should be exalted above measure. How many of you know the devil doesn't want anybody to be exalted? Now God doesn't want you to exalt yourself. But he has no problem exalting the humble. Amen. Yes. He gives grace to the humble. Yes, that's right. But he resists the proud. That's right. And so notice with me, unless I should be exalted above measure, through what? Remember our, our definition, excessive. Paul had an excessive amount of revelation. He is the one who wrote most of the epistles on who we are and what we have and what we can do in and through Christ Jesus. This was given to Paul. And so he says, through the abundance of revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan. That word messenger is angelos, which means angel. How many of you know that Satan has angels of light? And so understand this, this thorn in the flesh didn't come from God. It come from, came from exactly what the Bible says it came from. It came from the pit of hell. The messenger of Satan, not to buffet me, but to buffet me. Lest I should be exalted above measure. Now, a lot of theologians think that Paul's thorn in the flesh was an eye disease. They think that Paul's thorn in the flesh was migraine headaches. I like what one dictionary says. I'm going to read it to you. Today, we still use the same expression, thorn in the flesh. According to Longman Dictionary of Contemporary New English Words, when we say that someone is a thorn in the flesh or a thorn in one side, we are saying this. That a person is a continual cause of annoyance or problems. A similar expression that we would use today is that person is a pain 
in the neck. Look straight ahead. Paul's thorn was a demonic spirit sent by Satan to torment him and to annoy him. It was not an eye disease. It was not a migraine or some sickness, as many theologians have widely speculated. Paul's thorn in the flesh were people that were used by the enemy. Can the enemy use people? Can the enemy cause circumstances to come up in our life that would annoy us? Thank God has given us joy instead of frustration. I wanted us to stay there for a purpose, but I want to take a little side journey. Here's what some of the things that the enemy used to stop Paul. And if the enemy will use things and circumstances to stop Paul, when the word is sown in your heart, he will also come immediately to take away the word that was sown in your heart. And he'll use persecutions. He'll use a wide variety of things to stop you from receiving revelation. You see... This thorn in the flesh was Satan trying to stop Paul. He was trying to stop Paul from giving revelation. He's trying to stop us from receiving revelation. It comes from the same source. It comes straight from the pit of hell. Now here's some of the things that Paul went through. Paul said, I was in labors abundant. He said, I was in stripes above measure. In prisons more frequent, in deaths often. He said, Of the Jews, five times I received forty stripes, save one. He says, Three times I was beaten with rods, I was stoned once. He said, Three times I suffered shipwreck, and a day and a night I've been in the deep. He says, I've been in journeyings often, I've been in perils of waters, in perils of robbers. In perils by my own countrymen, in perils by the heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, and this is the worst, in perils among false brethren. He said, I've been in weariness, I've been in painfulness, in watchings often, in hunger and in thirst, in fastings often, in cold and in nakedness. And then not only that, but he said, beside all that, All those things that are without, that which cometh upon me daily, the care of all the churches. So you can see in that descript there, that Paul was absolutely persecuted trying to stop him from delivering the goods. Are you listening to me? But the Apostle Paul is the same one that said, none of these things move me. Not only am I not moved by these things, I'm going to say something about those things. I'm going to speak to those things. 
Well, Paul, what would you speak to those things? Well, one thing that Paul said to those things is this. What shall we say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? He is the one that had the revelation about the grace of God. If God's grace be for you this morning, I say to you, what difference does it make? What comes against you? Now notice with me in verse 8. Say with me, I've got grace in abundance to the full till it overflows. I receive the grace of God. I access the grace of God with my faith. Now notice in verse 8 of 2 Corinthians chapter 12. In verse 8, for this thing, this messenger of Satan, I went to the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And here's what the Lord's answer was. He said, Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. For my strength is made perfect in your weakness. God has perfect strength and perfect grace for whatever weakness comes your way. What the Lord was saying to Paul is this. My grace, what I provided for you, is ample. It's plenty. Paul, my grace is all you need. And the moment that the Lord... This was not God saying no to Paul. This was not God saying, No, Paul, I want your eyes so badly diseased that you can hardly see. This was not the Lord saying no to him. This was the Lord reminding him that the grace of God was more than enough for him. It was plentiful. There was a full supply of it. How many of you got this? Say it with me. His grace was sufficient for Paul. He caught it. See, he got it. As soon as the Lord said it to him, I receive that. I see that. I catch that. Because here's what he said in the rest of verse 9. When he said, My grace is sufficient for thee, and my strength is made perfect in your weakness. Here's what Paul's attitude was. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory... What? Paul was standing in the grace of God. And he got happy. I said he got happy. Because he knew he had help. And grace was his help. He said, most gladly, therefore, because his grace is sufficient for me, I will rather glory in my infirmities. Because I have an expectation, you see, that the glory of God is going to come upon me in such a way that whatever comes against me will have no effect. No weapon formed against me is going to prosper. And Paul said, I'm glad about it. I'm happy about it. Most gladly, therefore, will I glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. I don't know that we know what that means. When the power of Christ and the glory of God rests upon you, there's a weight that comes upon you. It's not a weight that bothers you, but it's a weight that saturates you. It's, a, it's like you're putting on a weight, a, a, a coat of glory. And that cloak of glory so covers you in your time of need 
that you get so very happy about it. Paul said that his glory may pitch a tent over me and that his glory may dwell upon me. Then in verse 10, he says, Therefore, I take pleasure, verse 10 of 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 10. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when... For when... All together now. For when... One more time. For when... The Amplified says this. For when I am weak in human strength, and we all are, then I am truly strong. I am able, I am powerful in divine strength. This is a great example of standing grace. The thorn was Satan's ability against Paul But the grace of God was God's ability for Paul. See, Paul realized that the grace of God would impart strength and keep him from being defeated. And that same thing is true for you. God is no respecter of persons. His grace is not just for a chosen few. His grace is for all that have called upon the name of the Lord. Grace is God's strength in the face of your inabilities, in the face of your tests, in the face of your challenges, in the face of your pressures, in the face of your grief. This grace enables you and I to be strong and come through victorious. You know, Rick Warren's son committed suicide a few years back. Rick Warren is probably one of the most notable men of God in the state of California. Spencer said, well, Rick's not Pentecostal. How do you know that? (laughs) And really, what difference does it make? He is a born-again believer. Amen? Well, we're not to judge people. But Rick's son battled mental illness for many, many years. He he battled severe depression. Severe depression. And his son committed suicide. And here's a guy with a church of, I don't know how many, 30, 40, 50,000 when you add it all up together. Here's a guy that has written the Purpose Driven Church. Here's a guy that has, has impacted and influenced not just hundreds of pastors, but thousands of pastors throughout America. Don't you know that the enemy doesn't like him? And don't you know that he would throw anything at him to stop him? I mean, on the level Brenda and I are at, which is a much lower level than that, we've experienced some severe tests and severe trials. And we're not going to rehearse the tests and the trials because we could turn this service into a top that trial testimony service. All of us have been through some things. But the good news is, even though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we don't have to be afraid because our God's with us. Amen? 
We don't always talk about some of the things that we've been through because quite frankly, we don't not want to glorify the devil. We want to glorify God. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. But I'm telling you, if any person on earth was tempted to quit, it would have been Rick Warren. Who do you think you are pastoring 50,000 people and your son committed suicide? Who do you think you are declaring God's word and you've got cancer in your body? Those are just lies of the devil. Trying to stop, trying to put the squeeze on and the pressure on so great that you will quit. Somebody say, but I'm not a quitter. I am a winner. So I understand that many of you are going through some things. I understand that. And that's why we preach messages like this to help you. And how many of you know that believing is a verb? Do you believe what's been preached today? If you believe what has been preached and what has been taught, then you will verbalize it. And by verbalizing it, not only means will you speak it, but verbalizing it means you will also do it. Believing is a verb. When you believe God's word, it requires action. I think in the body of Christ and in churches in general, there's too many nouns and adjectives and prepositions, and there's not enough verbs. There's not enough action. But say it with me, I'm not just a hearer of the word. I'm a doer. I am a doer. I am a doer of God's word. I stay awake in church. I don't grieve the Holy Ghost. By coming in this place, plopping down on the chair, and getting an extra 30 minutes of sleep. But I'm awake. I'm alive. I'm active. I'm a doer of the Word of God. Somebody shout amen. Here's what Rick said, and I love this statement. And this is our closure today. What gives me the most hope every day is God's grace. Knowing that His grace is going to give me the strength for whatever I face. Knowing that nothing is a surprise to God. So I close today by saying to you, His grace is sufficient for you. And His grace is available to you for whatever you face. Would you get anything today? Let's all stand up and thank God for His word.